Happy Wednesday, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20-something Trials. For those of you who are brand new, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those of y'all who have been here, hello. It is so great to not see you, but to be with you. Um, And today, you guys, we're going to dive into a little bit more of a personal episode, if you will. We got a lot to catch up on. We've got some updates with career, with love and relationships, um, literal proximity of where I'm at and where I'm going, um, and also some big decisions that I was not expecting to make this year at all, let alone having like three or four kind of stacked on top of each other. So um, we're going to talk about it. But before we get into any of that, I just want to follow up on something that I had said last week. And it's really just to um, reiterate, I think, one thing more in particular. So I think a lot of times what we see on social media, oh my God, y'all, I've got one of the dog's hairs on my lip. (laughs) One of the things that we see on social media is all of these perfect things happening, right? So somebody's like beautiful, sunny, glamorous morning routine. Cool. We love it. Um, But I think regardless of that, or anytime you hear somebody talk about a practice that's worked for them and something they really love, I feel like our brain just automatically goes to, well, why, why don't I do that? Am I not good enough? Like our brain goes crazy. Maybe not yours, but I don't know. Mine does. So with that said, one of the things that I said in the manifestation episode was that these are all tools that I have. um, And these are things I try to do on a daily basis. These are not things I do all the time. Today, I took the day off from work. I have a handful of doctor's appointments that I need to go to, and uh, I didn't do any of it. I woke up, I read, I laid on my phone, and then I got ready to go to the dentist, you know? So I just wanted to say that to give you that um, reassurance that when you're human, we're all human. We don't need to do all these things that we know are great for us all the time. We should, but like we got to be real at the end of the day. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that I got that message across because I think it's really important because like I said, I see reels, I see stuff and I'm just like, shit, why don't I do that? Am I supposed to be doing that? And all these other things. Um, and just again, that reminder that all this shit, all social media is, it is, I heard Lauren Evers Bossick say it the best. She's like, it's a production. It's like a movie set, obviously not to that extent for majority of us, but like it's fake you guys. It's fake. So we had our little PSA. We had our little reminder. We're good. We're Gucci. We're moving on. Uh, Let's talk about all the stuff that's changing within the next two months. Okay. Let me pull up my notes because we had to be organized for this episode. All right. The big one. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted a reel about this two days ago. Um, when I started this podcast, for those of you guys who have been here since what, 2019, 2020, um, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a high school English teacher. I, for the most part, have really loved this job and have loved what I've done in this role. But I made the really, I don't even want to say it was difficult, you guys, because this year has been fucking hard. Um, I made the decision to leave education. I have not left. The goal is that I'm going to stick it out until my contract is up. That's the goal. Um, But overall, I started in January to get this inkling. So the start of the second semester that this wasn't for me anymore. Um, 
And I say that now, is there a chance that I return to the classroom at some point in the future? Sure. Do I see that honestly happening? No, I don't. Um, but I did, I, I started in January to really get this inkling or this, um, this intuition, this gut feeling that I wasn't being fulfilled in the way that I felt that I needed to, um, for those of y'all who know me, like in real life, I am a very solution-driven person. So I'll sit in the emotion for a little bit, but then I'm I'm getting my shit together. I'm putting my ass in gear and I'm making decisions and I'm taking step forward. And that's exactly what I did. With this job, ironically, and I'm going to give you a little backstory to this. So my boyfriend, Zach, got COVID one day in January. I was a close contact, so work had sent me home, so I was out for five days. Um, God forbid I sit still for more than 20 minutes. I started just to look at some of the opportunities that were open. So this was really the first time I had started to explore a new job, a new career, a new anything. Um, Up until this point, I had kind of just been sitting with this idea of, hey, I don't think this is right. Like I was kind of stewing in that at this point. So with all the time that I had, um, I remember laying in bed and I also knew with this in mind that, so my boyfriend lives in Columbia and we had been doing long distance for about eight months and I knew that I was kind of over it. And when we first started dating, we had both said like, Hey, I think this will probably work for a year. And then if things are going well and we do see a future together, we're probably going to have to make a jump one way or another. So... I was like, let me just take a little look around. What What's going on in Colombia? What are some job options in Colombia? And I found this company. They're a marketing agency that actually works primarily with the K through 12 space. And I reached out to their VP. Um, and it's a small company, so it wasn't like a long shot. Like that was in this case, that was kind of the the hiring person. That was my, my point in this case. Um, so I reached out to the VP, had two or three conversations with him and the VP of creative who is now my boss and um, I I met them we talked about some different options I got to know the team I got to see if I was a good culture fit I did an office visit I went to one of their brand workshops and it was a it was a good fit it was a really really good fit and so this was about a three-month process of getting the job. So January, I started the search. And mind you, in between January and March, I got, I I went on interviews, I got rejected a thousand and one bajillion times. Um, I made it through a few rounds of interviews with some other companies, but ultimately this was kind of the one I really wanted and was pursuing. Like I probably put the most effort into this company and this job. Um, But I did it. I got the job offer. So, so news number one, I'm leaving teaching. News number two, I got a new job that is not in education. Well, it is, but it's not. Like, I'm not in a classroom, but I'm in the creative space. You know? I don't know. TBD. I'll let you guys know when I get more into it. And three, I'm moving to a new city. So, I'm moving to Columbia, South Carolina. And four, I got a new roommate. And my roommate is my boyfriend. Godspeed, man. We're moving. We're moving. So a lot is going on. There are a lot of changes happening. I am incredibly nervous for a lot of reasons. I am a mix of emotions all the time. 
to give you an idea, last night I cried over the fact that I was going to miss my kids and some stuff had happened at work where I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to leave them? And then this morning I woke up and I was like, girl, you're doing this for you. Like, this is your next step. The kids will be fine. And one of the things that I've really tried to do when talking to my students about this move is really modeling the importance of knowing your worth, owning your worth, and knowing when to walk away. At the end of the day, they're impressionable. I've got 14, 15, 16-year-olds. Their brains are not fully developed. God knows that's true, but they are very impressionable. They're very wise. They're very intelligent. And so I wanted to be honest and upfront with them about why I was leaving. Um, And ended every period I told them, I ended it with like, this is the life lesson behind it. This is what I want you to take from this. And that's, that's been it. So, okay, we've hit on the layers. You know what's going on. Now let's dive into some specifics. Let's start with the juicy stuff first, which would be moving in with my boyfriend. Let's go ahead and get the elephant in the room. Acknowledge. We'll acknowledge her. Now, some of y'all might have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you might have totally forgotten about this because it's not your life, right? I have not forgotten about this. Um, so if you have been around, if you're one of my girlies listening to this, you will recall that I moved in with a boyfriend, not last summer, but the summer before. <clears throat> Let me refresh your mind real quick. We'll have a nice little laugh. I moved in. I moved out within... <laughs> I moved in. I moved out within three months. So it has definitely played a part in this decision where I'll be very upfront. I was not the one who initiated the moving in conversation. Talk to any of my girlfriends. I was very much so I'm going to live on my own. I'm going to have my own own apartment. I'm going to have my own little safe, safe space because I'm not repeating history. And so I thought I was doing what was right. And after some self-reflection, I realized I was simply just projecting. I wasn't looking at this relationship as its own. I was looking at the past and I was getting really nervous that the past was going to become my future. And it's not. The moving in convo came up. Zach and I were actually on our way. I was touring two apartments about three weeks ago. And we're on our way from apartment one to apartment two. And he's like, you know, why don't we just move in together? So he brings it up and he's driving. And so I kind of have this little moment where like my face like kind of pauses for a second. I take it in and I said to him, I was like, you know, do you feel, do you feel you're ready for that? Do we feel as a couple we're ready to make that step? And he was like, I mean, how do you ever know when you're ready for something? I said, okay. I said, that's fair. I'll give that to you. Let me back up. Do you feel, do you think that you can truly see a future with me? And I'm not just talking the next few months. I'm talking the next few years. Do do you see us taking a lot of big steps in life together? And he goes, <laughs> the most fucking man response. He goes, yeah duh I thought you knew that (laughs) and I was like no no no, I do and that's what I want too but I just want to make sure we're on the same page so a big thing a big rule that Zach and I kind of have in our relationship is like we really don't reference the past unless it's absolutely necessary not 
our couple past, but like our individual past relationships and all of that. And this was a time where I did bring it up. And I said, you know, I know you're not this person. I know we're not this relationship, but I want you to understand like why I haven't brought it up and where my hesitancy, my apprehension rather comes from. And we talked through it and, um, you know, he said, he goes, plus it would also be a big financial savings. And, and the very first thing I did when I graduated college, I read, um, the defining decade. I read the defining decade and I read broke millennial two books. I absolutely recommend. So the defining decade is phenomenal. And in this book, it talks about when you make the decision to move in with a partner, your sole purpose should not be because it's a financial saving. It should be because you want to take this step in your relationship. So I said, "Mm -mm, pause. Yes, it is going to be a financial savings, but that's not number one. Number one is going to be our relationship, where we're going, our future, our present, blah, 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 blah. Number two can be the finances. And again, the man responds, oh, yeah, well, yeah, well, duh. (laughs) Okay. So we go to look at apartment number two. And on the way home from that, we start talking about what it would look like for me to just move into the condo that he has. He has the cutest condo I've ever seen. It's like right on a lake. It's beautiful. It's 25 minutes from where I'm going to be working. Um, And it's the price is unbeatable. It, it really, it really is unbeatable at the end of the day. And it's cute. It's not like we're living in the ghetto. You know what I mean? Um, so that was three weeks ago. Then two weeks ago, we start to really talk about, okay, if we lived here, what would that look like? What would we need, etc. And then last weekend, we put our list together and we started to go shopping. So things are moving. Things are happening. Um, I finished school May 26th. Y'all listen, right? School ends May 26th. Work starts June 1st. I got a real quick, real quick turnaround period. So my goal is to add the woman's touch, if you will, to his place before I really move in. I kind of want to move in and just have to move my stuff in, not have to like deal with redecorating and all of that. Now, I, I do think there will be like the living room will take us a little bit longer and then he has a guest bedroom that I think we're going to transform into like my office slash kind of like a lounge area Um, because the cool thing with this job is I work from home Monday and Friday and then I'm in the office those in between days Um, so I'm very excited about that so a lot a lot has happened a lot is changing Um, I think it's going to be a really not I think it will be a really big step in our relationship but the one thing I will say about him and I is we're having the conversations now we're talking through what this is going to look like and one of my fears and one of the things I said to him was like well don't you want to be able to just date while we're in the same zip code like don't you want to just enjoy dating and then I made a point to my point I was like the one who answered this question And since we are long distance, all we know are weekends. That's all we've really ever had. So in terms of given, let me, let me back up. Living with somebody and visiting them on the weekends are two very different things. I know that. I acknowledge that. But what we know are those quote unquote longer stays together. We don't really know Wednesday night dinners and dates and then peace out, see on the weekend, um, So 
I think we both kind of alleviated that fear of, yeah, we can still go get lunch and dinner on Wednesdays, but we can also still come home to each other. And I think too, we're 25, we're 26. Not that there's a timeline or a limit to anything, but I think him and I are both mature enough, um, are both emotionally stable enough, are both, you know, willing to make the effort to make this work. And if I didn't feel that in my gut and same for him, I don't think we would be taking this step. So very, very exciting. Very nervous. I have already changed everything in both of his bathrooms with his permission. So don't come for me. Um, But overall, the excitement is there. I'm really, really looking forward to it. All right. So to continue, to continue with our theme of hard questions, let's talk about the conversation I had to have with my principal slash boss that I was going to be leaving. So I was very nervous to have this conversation. Um, But one thing for those of you guys who are not in education, which I think is the majority, um, the great resignation, which started in like from COVID, the great resignation has made its way into education. There has been numerous studies done where there is essentially like a mass exodus of teaching professionals happening. People are peacing out. Um, With that in mind, the average time that a new teacher spends in the classroom is like three to five years. It's either three to five or five to seven, but I want to say it's three to five. So I have made many, many jokes that I am simply a statistic um, because this is year three for me. So I did my three. I did my three. I'm in my little statistic and we're moving on. With that in mind, this is not the first conversation my principal has had with any of my coworkers. Um, I am not the first one to leave. I am not even the first one to have this conversation this semester. I've had, I can think of like three or four teachers at my school who have dipped mid-year, which that's when you know, because that's very unusual in education to break your contract, because essentially what happens is you get like blacklisted from that county. Um, there's a teaching shortage. We don't need to blacklist people for wanting to pursue better things when your system is so broken, so broken. I digress. Um, so I set up my meeting, um, and I walked in and I just like, my emotions are on my face 24 seven. I'm not hiding anything. So I walk in and I was like, Hey, Hey you. And he goes, so I've, I've heard some rumors and by him hearing some rumors because I had to tell the secretary what this was about to get on his schedule. Um, and I said, you know, I want to cut to it. I said, I've accepted a new job. Um, I'm going to be finishing out my contract and then I will not be returning in the fall. I told him a little bit about the job that I had taken and, you know, filled him in on this side of education. And I think it was a little bit of a shock for him to hear that I was leaving the field and leaving the classroom. Um, but unfortunately he said, you know, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. Um, it happens every year, but now more than ever, we're really, really seeing this exodus happen, which is very scary. And it's very sad. Um, yeah, it sucks. It does. It sucks, but the system's fucked up and somebody has got to change it. And, to my mind there, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a whole lot of fixing happening. So he was very receptive. He was very kind. He was very supportive. Um, it was, it, the conversation went beautifully. 
So after I spoke to him, um, it's very unlikely at this point that we're able to get my whole department in the same room together. So I just sent them a little message on Google Hangout, which is what we use to communicate. And again, everybody was super, super supportive. Um, again, it's it's one of those things where nobody nobody is shocked at this point when somebody leaves, which is sad. Again, it's like as I'm speaking this out to you guys, I think I'm still processing on my own as well. Um, but it is. It's sad. It's scary. It's crazy. But something's got to give. Something's got to change. And my mental health is not worth sacrificing anything for a job that does not pay me a livable wage. Like, let's let's be real. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what got me here. What got me into that January mindset of I think it's time to go. So I honestly think this probably stems back a little bit, a little bit earlier than January. I remember actually driving to work on the first day of school. So I believe we started on a Wednesday. So we had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for second semester. So we had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that first week of fall semester. And I remember driving and I got hit with this overwhelming fear I was like anxious, I was nervous, I was scared, and it wasn't my normal like first day jitters. It was very weird, and I shoved it down, I shoved it down, because I was like, it's just, it's it's a new school year, I'm nervous, this is the first time the kids have been back since COVID. This is the first time we have all, all 1,400 of us have been in the same room, under the same roof since COVID. So that's what I chalked it up to. And that is truly what I do believe it was, was a mix of, oh my God, everybody's back. COVID's still happening. There's not a mask mandate in South Carolina anymore. Like I think my brain was just anxiety spiral city to be, to be honest with you. Um, so I got through that semester and fall semester, I really had great kids. Like I had all the usual BS that you deal with, but I did, I had some, some of my favorite, and I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I did. I had some of my favorite students I've ever had. I had some of the smartest, funniest, wittiest, kindest, most compassionate kids I had ever met in my teaching career. Um, And so I look back at that semester with just a lot of love and comfort. And I, that, that I, as silly as it sounds, I almost wish I could have ended out, ended on that semester. Um, But that's okay. That's okay. So I ended the semester. I was hype. I was pumped to go into spring semester. Spring semester, I knew it was going to be basketball season. I was coaching cheer. So it was going to be a really fun semester. I was going to teach all sophomores. So my expectation, I'm going to say that loosely, was that the kids were going to be a little bit more mature and more dedicated and more ambitious. That's all right, though. That's all right. They're still kids. I'm not blaming them at all for this. Um, so second semester rolls around. I immediately am out for COVID. That's the first thing that happens. I'm out for COVID. The next week we have weather. We're out for weather. Like I just couldn't get in the groove at all. And I do even feel like it took me probably a whole month after those two weeks of I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out to really get settled and really feel like I was um, in my routine. So there was that. And then I just noticed, and it's hard for me to admit this, but I just noticed that my level of care 
had started to diminish the expectation and the the expectation and the additional duties and jobs that were being added to every teacher's plate without payment, without compensation, was starting to really run me down. And then I hate to say it, but I've, I'm, there is no other job where a parent or an outsider or a child makes you feel incompetent and tries to tell you how to do your job. That doesn't happen anywhere else, to my knowledge. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But that was when I really started to reach my point where I was like, I'm an intelligent, educated, hardworking, ambitious woman. And I am being made to feel like a kid. And I didn't, I haven't poured my heart and soul into this to be made to feel dumb and to be belittled. And that's when I kindly, very kindly said, okay, we're going to make a change. And we did. And we're here. And it is, it's one of those things where it breaks my heart to think that, for example, my cousin is a genius with numbers. I mean, she is so friggin' smart. And she's been tutoring my brother. And she said, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a teacher. And I said, don't. I said, don't. You're too smart. You have so much talent. Go do something else. And that was a moment that really resonated with me because my senior year of high school, I told one of my teachers who I loved and adored and really looked up to that I wanted to go into education. And she goes, hell no. Straight up. Hell no. And I was like, what? I was shocked. I was shocked. And she said, I'm telling you, don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't know better. I, now, let me say this. I wouldn't trade the fact that I taught for anything. I wouldn't. I wish I would have asked her more questions, though. And so I, I shut it down. I didn't listen. I let it go in one ear and out the other. And what I wish I would have done is just ask her why. Why? Why are you so adamant? I was, I was a student. I didn't have this perspective. And she had been teaching for years and years and years. So in my brain, in my 18-year-old brain, she loves it. Why would she tell me no? Why, what? It, it didn't make sense in my head. Now I get it. And it's sad. Now, and I will say this. There have been so many beautiful parts of my job. So many beautiful moments. So many beautiful relationships that I've built. Experiences that I've had that I wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, I have had some of the biggest belly laughs with these kids. I have had some of the most eye-opening moments. I have learned so much from them. I have been challenged and I have been pushed and I have been forced into seeing new perspectives that I would not have looked at had I not stepped into this role. I wouldn't trade these three years for anything. And now I'm ready to take these three years and build something else from it. And like I said, if I return, I return. But I don't think it's going to be any time soon. Um, 
never say never. Everything that has ever happened in my life have been things that I was like, dude, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And then I do it and then I love it. And then I, I grow and I evolve. But it's just time. It's time. It's time for something new. Um, and with that said, one of the things that I posted today on Instagram was just like, hey, these are all the things that are changing. What questions do you have? Like, not even about me in particular. Nobody, nobody cares. But like, the lessons that I've learned, maybe some experiences that you're going through, like, how can I help you if you're in a similar position? So let's go ahead. Let's dive into some of the questions that y'all asked. First question, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? I recently moved back in with my mom and I'm feeling like a failure. Oh, I resonate with this so much. Okay. So I think I really struggled with imposter syndrome when I was interviewing for new jobs because I was applying for positions that I had never worked in. And all I had to go off of was the experience that I had from the classroom and also what I had detected as transferable skills. I think the one thing I did not do was I did not lie about what I knew and what I did not know. I was very upfront. I was very honest about my skill set. I was very honest about the work that I knew I was capable of doing. Um, but I also made sure to research the fuck out of whatever I was interviewing for um, or whatever I was doing. But I also asked a lot of questions to the correct person. With imposter syndrome, I think we all deal with this. I think no matter how successful you are and however that is that you define success, I think we all deal with it. Um, and I think it's one of those things that as time progresses and we prove to ourselves what we're capable of, that imposter syndrome does start to deteriorate a little bit. I heard a quote years and years and years ago that just said, you know, act like you've got confidence and no one's going to question you. And I tell my students that, I tell my brother that, I tell myself that. I think at the end of the day, if you can hold your head up and your chin up a little bit higher, you can keep your shoulders around the back. I think sometimes those physical attributes, the way that we carry ourselves, can mentally send signals to our brain of like, I've got this, I'm okay, I'm going to do this. Now, the moving in with the, the parent part. I have dealt with this as well in terms of, I, I did, when I moved back home, I felt like a failure. I was in my 20s. I'm still in my 20s. I was in my 20s, but I was just like, this kind of sucks. But, but I had to see the upside and I focused on the fact that one, I had this opportunity to save a lot of money. Two, I had a parent or a family member who had welcomed me home without any questions. So I think that piece of, I have the opportunity to move back home. I have somebody opening up their home, opening up their arms back to me. And that's a really beautiful thing because that means your relationship is probably solid enough with your parent where you can make this move back home and it's okay. So I think the main message with that is look at the positives. Look at everything that you're going to be able to achieve as a result of that. But also remember too, man, like everything is temporary. You're not going to be there forever. And even if you are, it's okay. I think we're one of the only cultures in the U.S. that normalizes, oh, you're 18, bye. A lot of cultures, it is very normal for you to live in the home until you get married. And even then, a lot of times people still move back in with their partner. So with that said, I think you got to recognize the good. 
I think you need to recognize all of the beautiful things that you can accomplish with this and see it as an opportunity rather than a failure. All right, second question. What is your biggest fear moving in with your boyfriend? My biggest fear is probably that somehow the romance will go away and it will be more platonic. I don't think that's going to happen, but it definitely has been one of those things that I'm like, oh my God, what if we just become roommates? What if we're just friends? Which again, I don't think will happen, but it's definitely probably my unrealistic fear. I think my more accurate fear is like, what if we get really sick of each other really quickly? Um, but again, we'll just navigate that and be like, okay, timeout time. Like, n- Nobody's talking for the next 30 minutes. Uh, so we'll see. All right, last one, and then we are going to close out of here. Okay, so this question asks, which job software did you have the best luck with? Any recommendations for getting in contact with the hiring managers? Okay, so I like LinkedIn the most. I went premium for about two months too. Um, So I definitely preferred LinkedIn. That's the one that I truly ever heard anything back from. Um, I went as on, I feel like it's like dating apps. Like I was on ZipRecruiter, I was on Indeed, but LinkedIn was my go-to. Um, in terms of hiring managers, I Googled and Googled and Googled until I made sure I had the right person. The beauty of LinkedIn Premium too was that I was able to stalk everybody without anybody seeing it was me, which I really liked because I was able to get down to the nitty gritty. I was able to see what they were up to, what they were doing, what some of like their professional, obviously like their professional accolades were from LinkedIn. So I had a starting or a jumping off point. Um, so I do, I think you get one month free of premium. So I only paid for one month and I think it's like $30, but truthfully, I think it's worth it. And that's where I, if I were you, that's where I would put my focus. So also make sure that your LinkedIn account is like up and ready. It's ready to go. Okay. That, that would be my advice on that one. All right, you guys, that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, for being here, for supporting the show. I cannot wait to talk to you next week. We will have a guest, so it will be less of me. But until then, have a fantastic rest of your week. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.